Okay, so if you're like me, you love to switch up your home decor on the regular. New table here, new rug there, but it can get expensive if you're not shopping at the right place. That's why I shop at Overstock. I don't have to choose between low prices or quality home goods. At Overstock, I get both. Plus, in the continental US, there's free shipping on everything with no minimums. So get that new table or rug. Find something that fits your style and budget at Overstock, where quality costs less. The man, the myth, the jigsaw, Tony Jigsaw Cotillo, our DFS insider, uh, joins us here on the Dr. Glatt Regurio hairline. You gotta be happy. We're, the Sixers are up 22. I'll start there. Uh, you gotta be happy, right? There, there's nothing that we're pointing out wrong in this game, right? No, not yet. It is the third <laughs> quarter, though, so we don't know what's going to happen. So, there, there, you yeah, know, the, we always see it, right? And yeah. The third quarter is like our band nemesis, so <laughs> they're still up 20, so hopefully we continue that one. That, that's enough to, to spot the Pacers, I hope. But yeah, I mean, it's. I hope so. It's one of those things with the Sixers. You feel like they're in just a comfortable mode, and and I guess they just go into into cruise control a little bit too much. And you know, this is a Pacers team that I think is is underperforming expectations. I mean, Sabonis is doing great, but I feel like their their supporting cast isn't too much. So you would think, um, in terms of Eastern Conference challengers, man. Uh, I don't think we can consider the Pacers in there, right? I think it's what Nets, Sixers, Bucks, and then uh, the Raptors and Heat behind. Is that that how you'd kind of look at it right yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is that that Raptors team that I think surprised everybody. I think you could have flipped the Raptors and the Pacers in the in the beginning in the preseason, and then all of a sudden we didn't feel like Toronto was going to be able to step up like they have, and Indiana's kind of crapped the bed a little bit, which is really surprising, uh, you know, because they do have a really good team. You know, with Brogdon, and they have Sabonis, obviously, you mentioned, and McDermott's a really good role player, but I think the younger guys just haven't stepped up the way they feel like they could have, and I think Miles Turner kind of took a step back this year, too, so they have a lot of work to do, but, um, yeah, Toronto is the one team that surprised me. Their young guys have been playing really well, and uh, how can you not like Nick Nurse? Oh, absolutely. I, it's funny that you mentioned Miles Turner, because what was it, a few weeks ago before... Uh, uh, Joe Embiid was ruled out of that game. He was like, I, I can't wait to go one on one with him, and he and he laid an egg without Embiid. So I think that's like the perfect kind of description yep. of what this Pacers team is right now. And and you hope that you know the Sixers pull this away. Uh, I'll be honest though, I just feel like the Sixers aren't co- the complete team yet. Do you think they should do do one or two things to kind of tweak the roster, or do you feel confident in this team? No, I'm not confident at all. I, I, and the only reason why is I still feel, and I continue to say that you have two guys in the starting lineup that aren't starters in Danny Green and Seth Curry. And I think Seth Curry could be a fringe starter at the most, but you're forcing these guys to play minutes and roles that they're not accustomed to. And that's why I'm on the Kyle Lowry train. I, for me, uh, it's all Kyle Lowry or bust right now because you're not going to make a deal for Zach Levine. You're not going to make a deal for Bradley Beal. And, why would Washington want to trade Bradley Beal right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 8-3 and three in the last 11 games. <laughs> so, I mean, there's no reason to trade Bradley Beal. So I just think Kyle Lowry is a perfect complement to this team. So if you told me, Joe, that we got Kyle Lowry, which I really think we will, and we add another bench piece, and that kind of relegates Danny Green either out of here or to the bench <laughs> and Seth Curry back to a, a role-based ability, then – I'm all in on the Sixers. All right, let's talk about some somebody who's forced his way into a starting lineup. 
because this is what caught my attention in our in our group Slack chat earlier. Lamelo, I mean, he's just playing incredible wow. right now. That that Hornets game was something else. If if you stayed up to watch it, I, I caught the ending this morning. I mean, it, it's incredible how he's kind of developed and, and adjusted to the league. Uh, what is what have you seen out of Lamelo Ball so far, and how he's improved his game in, in such a short span? Well, you know, the, the Charlotte team is, a, is for the most part, a very young team. And, you know, nobody, obviously, you, you have veterans like Harry Rozier. I guess you could call Gordon Hayward a veteran. I'm not sure. But, you know, you have got, like, P.J. Washington has come out of nowhere. Uh, you know, Devontae Kramer has been injured a lot. Malik Monk has finally found his stride a little bit on that team. And all this is because of LaMelo Ball's leadership and playmaking ability that we did not foresee it was going to happen this quick. I mean, the thing about LaMelo is the way he's different from Lonzo is, number one, he doesn't have that weird, awkward shooting style, but he seems like he's more developed as a leader on the court, and you need that your point guard. And I think that's why his distribution process and the way he moves the ball and gets those guys in position, I'll tell you what, that's a big reason why the Hornets are where they are right now. So if it, we're going to look at, at this Hornets-Blazers game right now. I mean, it, it's fascinating to me. The, the over-under is 230, Portland minus 8, uh, Charlotte's plus 270 on the money line. So I, I looked at the stat line last night. Terry Rozier just laid an egg in a game where yep. all the unexpected guys on, on both those rosters, Hornets and Kings, j- just showed up in, in a major way. Do you expect to see something similar? I mean, P.J. Washington... One for 30 last night. His over-under is only 14.5. Was that just kind of a, an outlier, or do you see some of these, these role players stepping up again tonight in this matchup? I see the same thing all over again. and I, I, was, I was big on P.J. Washington tonight. He's been on three different of my rosters. I just think that you know he, he scored 67 DraftKings points uh, last game, which is absolutely ridiculous. And, again, this late kind of West Coast kind of game – Tipping off at ten forty between you say two thirty three. It was certain games to me. It was that game. It was the Brooklyn game, and it was the Orlando game. I, actually, the Utah game as well. That Utah, I think, was over and under two thirty six. Mm-hmm. What you could do, and with the Pelicans, so you know when you see games like that already, that line telling you there's going to be a lot of points scored, and then you go with the Portland get back on that track. But number one. With Charlotte and Portland, that game you have you have Damian Lillard who's just going to be on fire. It, this is a uh, all about a forty to forty five point night for Dame. You could just you, you feel it. And the thing is, Portland's centerless. I mean, they basically have Robert Covington playing center for that team right now because they're hurting, which is pretty sad. And and then you have the other side of the ball in, in Charlotte, who you have a very underrated guy, Cody Zeller. Now he was questionable. Not 100% if he's playing or not. I think he will. But he's another underrated guy that we're not talking about on that team that does it all. I mean, he blocks shots. He gets rebounds. He runs the floor. So I expect these role players, especially Malik Monk with Devontae Graham out again, I really think that these role players will excel again tonight. Just a quick run over of the, these player props. Terry Rozier, over 22.5. I think that's uh, pretty ridiculous after last night. Lamella Ball, 21.5. Dame at over 31.5. You, you think he's going to have a big night. Uh, and then if you look, PJ Washington, last night's star, 14.5. Malik Monkey, he's been on fire. Uh, he's at 18.5, as well as Gary Trent Jr. Uh, I want, the one thing that really interests me that you just brought up is the over under totals and how it kind of correlates to. You know, making these lineups and, and picking out your value yep. guys. How how much of uh, 
of of the significance is there in in lines being set with with the totals and and how you can kind of manipulate your lineups because like you said I mean a guy like PJ Washington in a game with an over under two thirty you would think that's prime for him to go off right absolutely and and it's all about the stack method so you know you're looking at it's not like you have a seven game slate so it's a little easier because you don't have a nine or a ten game slate but with a seven game six seven game slate you pick out those two or three games that are over the 231. Because obviously, if the prognosticators are picking them to be over 230-plus, that means there's going to be a lot of role-playing, a lot of value scoring in those games. So that's what I always do. I pick out those games, and then you stack your lineup. And I always do two to three lineups every night. So what I'll do is one game will have a Utah stack lineup between you know Utah and the Pelicans. Then another one will be the Kings and the Nets. The other one will be the Trailblazers and the Hornets because – there's a reason why those lines are set the way they are. I mean, we're, we all do our parlays. We all do our betting game. We all do our DFS game. So we know what to look for. So when those first numbers come out, they're the games that you hate on specifically. I mean, sometimes, I don't know if you guys have ever played the showdown games, but they're pretty neat as well. So if you play the showdown game and you're just specifically picking that game, that's, pretty, that's very challenging because then you really find out if those role players produce or not. Do I even want to mention this Rockets Cavs game? Is it just is is it as much of a slop fest as as I think it will be? Is just there just no value there after the the egg that Houston laid against Memphis last night? You know, it's funny because there's one guy I think you really need to look at, and that's Jared Allen. And you know, if you if you if you're a heavy DFS player. If you watch what Jared Allen has been able to do recently, especially now that Andre Drummond just doesn't play, it has been extraordinary. And his number has shot out and shot up in DraftKings by like four thousand dollars over the past two weeks. So I mean, it's the only thing I look at Cleveland and Houston anymore because Houston, you know, think about it. You know, they've had so many injuries, but there's a couple guys on that team that I really like. I like Deshaun Tate. He's a guy that. You can always get in the mid-range game for, for Houston. He's always going to put up good numbers. And then you look on the other side, and you know, for Cleveland, you have guys like Okoro, uh, you have guys like C.D. Oseman, and, and, and Jared Allen, even guys like Dylan Windler, guys that are under like 3,500 that are going to give you 20 points. So that's the only reason why they're relevant to me at all. I, lo- I love that some of these random names to, to NBA fans are popping up because I know Dylan Windler is the guy who, who was a star at Belmont. Dean Wade, for, who was who was at Kansas State, Okoro at Auburn. So, like the college basketball guy in me, it kind of goes like you know the one or two year gap of where have these guys been? Like Jay Sean Tate's a perfect one of those. He was at Ohio State, and like all right, you know he's yep. a decent player, and then boom, he, he's with the Rockets. Uh, you mentioned Jared Allen; he's over seventeen and a half as his prop tonight. Uh, that might be something to keep an eye on because of, yeah. of Houston's. By the way, John, uh, I thought about to call you John Jansen slash. Um, I'm filling it for John Jens. So ben Simmons, I believe that's 18 points. Yeah, I got that at 17 and a half. That, that's the first winner of the night here on the show. Uh, when it comes to to Ben Simmons, uh, I, I kind of want to get your take on it because I I know you're you're you, you're filled with more takes than I am on on Ben Simmons. What <laughs> I, I I hear the laughter. I'm I'm ready for it. What what have you seen? Is it is it an absolute improvement? Do you still want to th- see the three-pointers? Like, wh- What about Ben Simmons as a, a complete player uh, 
should we ask for even more out of him, or is he doing the right things with the players that are around him? Hey, man, the, the, the divorce between Ben Simmons and Jigsaw is completely over. We've already went through alimony. <laughs> we went through. We went through the pre. We went through everything. We're back. I'm. I'm. I'm back. I put a ring on his finger. We're ready to roll. Listen, I honestly, I, I think what he's doing over the last five games is exactly what you should want him to do, and exactly what I wanted him to do for the last two years. I don't care about three-point shots. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he never shoots another one again in his life. He doesn't need to. I don't care if he, he doesn't have a 20-foot jumper. He doesn't need it. All he needs to do is be decisive with the basketball. And, you know, me, me and Brace have had conversations about this in nauseam. Like, I don't care if he doesn't shoot. He needs to score. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to shoot. He needs to finish. And that's what he's doing this year. Tonight, for perfect example, we watched him numerous times where he normally would have passed, and said he wrote right to the glass and he scored. That's what Ben Simmons needs to do. And then the sneaky, the, the, you know, what I should say is kind of like the sneaky um, productive point for Ben Simmons right now is the free throw percentage. And, you know, because turning Ben Simmons, which I think is a lot of San Cassell, but turning Ben Simmons into this guy who gets to the glass with ease, you know he's going to have to take contact and he's going to have to shoot foul shots. So now he's getting double-digit free throw attempts and he's making 70 80% of them. That's huge. I think right now what you're getting from Ben Simmons is, is the perfect player that we should expect. Are you concerned in the East at all about the, what the Heat are doing? You know, they, they won last night without Jimmy Butler. Uh, I, know, I think, mm. at, least, at least in my opinion, I think it was the, kind of the fatigue of going to the finals in September and then making, having that quick turnaround, and they're finding their stride. Do, do you see them uh, at all as a contender, or is it, do you still think it's, it's Brooklyn... Philly one two and and we hope we get a, a seven game series for a finals berth. Is that that the way you think it's trending right now? Yeah, I, here's the thing about the Heat, and you know they they relied so much on Jimmy last year and they play fantastic. I just they have to put so much faith in guys like Kendrick Nunn and Kelly Olynyk and Duncan Robinson and Gordon Drogic. I mean, they have to put so much hope into these players that. Right now, if they don't all come to, into fruition and be productive, the Heat are going to go nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's why I think Brooklyn and Philly are obviously the one, too. And Brooklyn still scares the crap out of them. I, I don't care what anybody says. You have three guys that at any time can drop 40 on you. We don't, we don't have that in Philly. We have one guy, Joel Embiid, and that's it. After that, nobody's dropping 35 or 40 on this team, and they have three of them. So that's why, to me, unless we get another piece, another scorer, and a perimeter defender – I'm still scared of Brooklyn. If not Kyle, Kyle Lowry, then who? Oof. That's a tough one because as of right now, you just look around and, you know, I, I know we love Zach Levine, but I, I just I don't see it. I would love Zach Levine on this team, but I just don't think, number one, you have enough to make that deal. And I don't know if Chicago would make that deal. Bradley Beal obviously would be another one. But – it's just, you know, it's good in the fan in us to say, yeah, that's who we want. But then we got to look on the other side. We're like, well, why would they mm-hmm. want to trade him? And what, right? And what would they take back? So I just think Kyle Lowry is the perfect complement to this team. He is what Chris Paul is in Phoenix right now. He's the, 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 he's the general on the court. He's the guy who takes the young guys like Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges and Deontay Ayton and says, hey, this is what you need to do. Even Dario Sarge, who's kind of like a veteran now, you see him getting in his ear on timeouts. 
That's a Kyle Lowry would be right here. That's why I still think, Joe, there's no way in my mind, no doubt in my mind that Kyle Lowry is not a sixer by the time the trade deadline's over. There's just no way. I think it just makes perfect sense. So we're, we're giving Danny Green back to the Raptors, is, is what you're saying. I sure hope so. And I think, you know, I already, listen, I already got the rental car already juiced up. I'll drive him over the border. I don't care. He I'm, has, I'm ready. He has been one of the most frustrating players to, to bet on. I mean, it, yes. sit, it sits there at over one and a half threes, and you're like, oh, well, Danny Green's the, the, yep. the three-point specialist on this team. And the, the second you jump off the train is the second the train starts rolling again. And it's just, is there a player, I guess, in, in your DFS world, is there somebody along those lines that just, I know Danny Green's maddening to bet on from a player prop perspective. Are there any players you've noticed that are just like, uh, you either can't quit or uh, the second you get rid of them, that they start you know playing really well? Do you have any of those in, in DFS? Oh, I, I have, ta- I call them the, the dead to me list, the DTM <laughs> list, and I, I do that all the time. I, I, I mess around people all the time. Like they're like, "Hey, how about this guy?" I'm like, "No." Like Kelly Olynyk is dead to me. <laughs> Kelly Olynyk is completely dead to me because he's a guy in DFS who, again, he's not a big name like Danny Green, but it's like this guy consisted 20 points, 21 points. If you need a guy for 20 to 25 points with your DFS lineup that's under 5,000, that you're doing pretty good. And I was always like, oh, this guy's consistent. As soon as I start him, I get the snowflake. And then I give him another shot, get another snowflake. And I'm like, all right, you're dead to me. <laughs> so Kelly Olenek, I don't care how good he is, never. Guy will watch him right here in, in, in Holiday. Holiday's another guy who's dead to me. He's another kid who, under $4,000, who a really good value at times. But then every time I see him play him, he gives me a snowflake. It doesn't show up. So, <laughs> yeah, they're definitely – and you're right with Danny Green. The one-and-a-half threes, Joe. I lost so many parlays <laughs> with that one-and-a-half threes from Danny Green. I will never touch him again. I, I have given up on Danny Green and, and Seth Curry to an extent, too, just because yeah. I, I, I know what the constants are on the Sixers. Right now, it's, it's the Ben Simmons player prop because it, it's not going to go – probably above 20 as long as Tobias Harris is is readily available. So I, I feel like that in in terms of betting, I mean, it, it feels kind of square, but Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris are the guys because you know what you're getting out of them. I can at least appreciate that, that, that there's three guys there, but I, I agree with you. I, there's got to be either more consistency, something, you know, something's got to turn on in, in these shooters, or there's got to be an addition, man. I just I look at this market and it almost does feel like Lowry or bust, but it does. It, it 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 stinks to be in that market because there are so many variables right now, and I just I feel like we we might be putting our eggs in in the in one basket, and I feel like it's kind of like a, a it's kind of a poor comparison, but to the JT Real Muto situation. Where, where all our eggs were in the, the signed JT basket, uh, if you were a Phillies fan, and if it didn't happen, it, it feels like a disappointment. Is is that kind of a, a, a roundabout way to kind of compare it? Yeah, I think so, honestly. And and the thing is, what you're saying is, is so spot on that you, you know, and I forget his name, but the GM from Toronto is thinking the same thing. Because these GMs are looking around the league and saying, okay, you know, you know him and Moore have had conversations already. And he's looking around the league saying, who's available? Who else would they be able to, to go out and get? And he already knows there is nobody. So he's like, okay, now I can play hardball 
And I, even though this guy's in the last year of a contract, even though he's 35 years old and we know he's probably not going to be back here, it doesn't matter. We still hold the rights to him. So in his mind, he's saying, yeah, the Sixers want to go all in with Lowry, but, you know, we have to make it happen. And looking around the league, there's just no – honestly, Joe, unless there's a buyout market that we're not seeing, I just – I don't see another player – out there, and that's the shame of it because the window this year to me is where it's at. You look at the, you know, you look at the West, you look at the East as a whole, and it's for the taking right now with the Sixers. And speaking of which, one hundred five seventy seven. I don't think we have any worries whatsoever. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to jinx it, but uh, you know, we're, we got a pretty good lead right now, so I don't, I don't see anything happening. But the other night, not to get long winded, but the other night is what concerned me. Mm-hmm. Even though there was no Tobias Harris. 42 points from Joel. You know, you have 24 from Ben, and then nobody else. You have Seth Curry shoots one for 13. You have Danny Green shoots one for nine. That's the problem. Because the, in the playoffs, they're going to take away Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. They're just like Nick Nurse did, right? And then who's going to step up? And they're going to take away probably Tobias Harris. And Ben can't do it all his own. So you definitely need that fourth piece. Let me get you out here on this. Uh, as we threw the, the tweet out earlier this morning, it is, it is March 1st. This is March. Villanova, you like him? You like him at plus eleven hundred right now? I do. I tweeted that out, and again, I know the Butler loss still stings, and it was wasn't something that we thought should happen. But this is Jay Wright, you know. And no matter what you say, Jay Wright always has his players ready to go. And you know, Gillespie will be the guy come tournament time. He'll be the shooter that we need on the B. He'll be the, the number one guy on that team. And you just can't ever count out the Villanova Wildcats under Jay Wright. So, and this year, nobody else really stands out to me and just blows me away. Colin Gillespie is either Ryan Archidiakono light or the the other way around. Archidiakono is, is Colin Gillespie light. It, it feels like that that's the exact same player. Uh, and, you know, look, it's, it's Jay Wright. I... I like to bet on coaches when it comes to March yep. Badness, and Me too. he's got that. I mean, Robinson Earl's a, a fantastic player. Uh, I, look, plus eleven hundred is great value. I know we're all talking Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan versus the field, right. but but uh, I mean, look, they're lurking. Uh, I think they're going to be there's going to be some people off of them now uh, against Butler uh, or after that loss to Butler. But man, I, I just uh, look. You can sell me on Nova. There's no doubt about it. You can sell me on Nova. Yeah, I mean, you said, listen, you can go, plus, what's it, plus 275 for Gonzaga, right? Everybody's going to be in on that. But I would take a flyer, man, and, and the reason why is exactly what you just said. When come tournament time, I bet on coaches, not players, because coaches in the NCAA is what wins championships. I love it. I absolutely love it. Tony, always a pleasure to talk ball with you. Uh, glad we have a, a stress-free night in the city of Philadelphia. Yeah. The, the, Sixers, yeah. the Sixers are in good shape. I mentioned earlier St. Joe's won as a plus 850 dog uh, outright against Richmond. Uh, a fun night in the city, a stress-free night, exactly what we want. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I'm going to be staying up watching this LaMelo versus Dame game. I hope you enjoy it as well. Uh, Tony, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. 
Living a low-carb lifestyle, you know that the food you fuel your body with needs to be the best it can be. And pecans are a perfect fit. Packed with phytonutrients, protein, healthy fat, antioxidants, fiber, and some pretty mighty minerals. Pecans have a satisfying flavor and are a perfectly portable way to get you through the day. America's favorite super nut is your lifestyle super snack. And the best part, a handful does the trick. Learn more about their health benefits at AmericanPecan.com.